Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Gus, the first meal I had outside my own home following the quarantine was at your house. Brought over a bunch of meat. I brought over my Alpine Touch, but I didn't bring it home. I forgot it at your place. Our first meal was made better, as every meal is made better by Alpine Touch on basically everything. I put Alpine Touch hickory smoke on my cereal in the morning. <laughs> It's, it's reached that level of usage. And the fact that you left it, I knew that you left it at my house. You brought it over, left it at my house. And like a real jerk, I said nothing to you because I was like, well, that's mine, dude. That's it. You came to my house. You left it in my house. And I'm eating all of it. We've gotten so far into this Alpine Touch obsession, I think, that I just think we might be able to host a podcast about all the things that you can make with Alpine Touch. It would be short. Everything. (laughs) They have a bunch of different varieties of spices, as we know. Uh, They are local from the state of Montana. Shoto, shout out, original Alpine Touch. And it's great when it's not just local, when it's not just supporting the state of Montana, but when it's also actually the best thing that you can get. I mean, when it comes to spices, uh, it's second to none. So, boys and girls, use your Alpine Touch. Colter, tell them where they can get it. AlpineTouch.com, no matter where you're at in the entire world listening to this, if you are in the United States of America and you make an order of over $50, which, you know, if you get yourself the Grand Slam and maybe some barbecue sauce, some sunflower seeds, you're there. Free shipping anywhere in the United States of America right now. Uh, so go to AlpineTouch.com. They're rolling out all their summer Big Mountain flavor packages. The sunflower shoots are really, really good as well. Alpine Touch has got you covered. Alpine Touch, Montana's special spice. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Southwest Division. Who's good? 
sports psychology, something I could certainly use. And what's going to happen at Eastern Washington as it pertains to sports and the athletic department in general? Hi, how are you, boys and girls? It is Tutel and Nuwana's 1029 ESPN Radio and SWX Montana Television. Outstanding to be with you across the great state on this Tuesday afternoon. Hope you are well. Appreciate you letting us be with you. Uh, if you would like to listen on the World Wide Web, you can do that, 1029ESPN.com. You listen live on the stream all the time. Thanks to our friends at Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you want to give us a ring, you can do that as well, 361-3688. The phone number, Tommy's in the back. He's ready to burn it up on the phone line. So, uh, you know, you might as well go ahead and get involved. Well, we got all six rocking and rolling, Tommy, right, sitting back there? Yeah, I, and hey, I just want you to know something. Okay. You're going to be really proud. I can attest to this. Okay. Coulter's been sitting there waiting for this show, prepped, ready to go since about 331 on time. Phenomenal. Give him some kudos, the, man. The, the the fact that he's sitting across from me <laughs> while I'm do you know while Rage Against the Machine is playing just makes me so very happy. And, and it's a rare occurrence, no it's, doubt. It's very rare, and it's it's com- part of the show. No, it's comforting for me. I, it's that's like, what's so ironic. I try to give you and your gigantic ego yeah. the full spotlight <laughs> because it's your show, and I want you to headbang to your intro song. And then I walk in, and everybody realizes, oh, now the show can begin. Well, no, it's just I look so much better when you're sitting there. So that's why I want to have you in here, you know? Uh, but it is like, it's like my daughter's teddy bear. Like, she doesn't need it to sleep, but she thinks she does. And so then it actually does help her to sleep. And that's, you're my teddy bear. Well, I, <laughs> I you know, I, I wish it was way different than that, but... Uh, <laughs> Six lines are open to say who's crazy. Three six one three six eight eight. The phone number. All guests join us via the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. We started with our favorite players by NBA franchise yesterday in the Southeast. We move west, but stay in the South. We go through the Southwest Division of the NBA with our favorite players in NBA history by franchise. And about a half an hour from now, from now, Aaron Grusonic going to join us. He is the sports psychologist at Montana State, and I have. A bevy of questions. Same. And I might also, do you think, would it be untoward for me on the radio where he'll feel pressured because it's a public setting for me to treat this like a free session? You know what I mean? Like to just to try and just leech off of him all the things that I need help with upstairs uh, to try and improve oh, my, my standing primarily on the golf course, but really in general. You're locked in right now on the golf course. You bet You're I haven't whiffed in days. better than you were the last two years. Um, so we will get to him, but I, I there, there is such a – sports psychology was so – first of all, it was nothing, and then it was taboo. Like you had to like – Right. Say it was something else or even just lie that you were maybe seeing somebody. And one of the people who really blew the doors off of this, right, was uh, uh, from the Quiet Storm. Um, Ron Artest. With Ron Artest, exactly. And he, after they won, you know, the, the, you made the, the game winning shot uh, or sort of 30 seconds left game winning shot for the Lakers. And he thanked his psychiatrist. Right. And people were like, wait, what? Like, what's going on with Ron Artest? And what's going on with Ron Artest is he was helping open the doors to st- some of this stuff that is uh, has proven to be so fruitful and critical for, for athletes and, I think, people in general. Top of the hour, Eastern Washington. This is a story that's going back a little ways, but it's still... But it's getting more serious now. Right. So we're going to get into it. But, the, you know, everybody's struggling financially or 
appears that they're worried that they might begin to start struggling financially when you talk about athletics and universities, uh, I mean, nationwide uh, out of this pandemic. And so, uh, but Eastern Washington uh, may be the worst for wear, even you know, relative to everybody else. So we'll get into that and what that might mean. And uh, also some baseball stuff. Will it come back? And yes, the new Madden cover has been revealed. Have you seen who this is, Coulter? No, I can't wait. Who is it? You want, you want me to tell you? I do. Take a guess. Who do you think? Lamar Jackson. It's Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's Lamar Jackson. I don't want to curse my guy Lamar Jackson. I love Lamar Jackson, but he is on the cover. You know, you, you do this thing. Although, Mahomes Mahomes was on the cover and he won the Super Bowl, right? He did, but he got hurt still. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, he got hurt for like three games. Yeah, but I mean, it still impacted his individual regular season. And I mean, of course, they won the Super Bowl, but it could have been even better. And I mean... It's just it's just so tried and true. I mean, there's, it's almost like 100% when you're on the Madden cover, you get hurt. Well, I mean, it's 100%. You play in the NFL, you get hurt. That's kind of the deal. Uh, all right, Coulter, so here we go. Let's do this. Uh, you, we've been going through picking our favorite NBA players by franchise. I got a full sheet of small font paper to go through with you on these. Where do you want to start today? We're, we're doing the South west division of the nba so it's the it's the dallas teams not or the houston the texas teams excuse me <laughs> not san antonio houston and dallas new orleans phoenix and memphis okay uh, let's let's go with the the team that is the uh that it's so stupid that they're in the west period the memphis That's grizzlies the memphis grizzlies okay um i have a couple of selections um i used to hate mark gasol and i grew to love mark gasol hmm, why uh, because I learned about him. I learned more about him and his brother and just their family is such an interesting... Or was and, it just because he lost weight? And broad family. No, it's certainly not that. I would have liked him more as a bit... You know, his his story, though, of, like, moving to America and discovering fast food and being like, this is the greatest thing in the world, and then next thing you knew, he was struggling to get up and down the court, you know, is is remarkable. But I remember him playing for Spain, right? Spain, uh, this is right. Spanish... Yep. I, it must have been an Olympics. It was the Olympics before he was in the NBA. Yeah, it was the Olympics when there was the one time when Spain really took America down to the wire. And I found him to be—I I thought I thought he was a dirty player. Frankly, watched him, you know, and I—and maybe Crafty. at that time he may have been. Uh, I don't know how you want to talk about it, but I didn't like him, and now I, I really like him. But he is not my favorite. Okay. Zach Randolph is very high on this list. Same. Loves Zebo, but he is not my favorite. Are we going to do this again to each other? No. Yeah, there's no yours? way you pick okay. mine. My favorite of all time, Memphis Grizzly, is now a Utah Jazz, but Mike Conley. Hmm. Mike Conley uh, was a fourth overall selection in 2007, and he did something that you do when you're a really good player in a place like Memphis, and that is just fly under the radar and be totally underappreciated for what he has been and what he brought not just to the franchise but to the NBA. Actually, he's been underappreciated nationally in Memphis. Memphis fans sure. love – well, they love all their Memphis Grizzlies, but especially Mike Conley. Uh, but, you know, averaged 15 points a game and almost six assists a game – over his career. I mean, 788 games in Memphis. He's the all-time scoring leader for the Grizzlies at 11,733 points. And he is their all-time leader in games played, three-pointers, assists, steals, and points. And I just love the way that he's gone about it. He's been very consistent for a very long time. But more than any of that, I just, uh, his, his demeanor and his disposition in a sport 
that is that is built to build up the stars that is built to be somewhat individualistic even though it's in you know the context of a team sport where guys are all about look at me look at me look at me mike conley was you know had as much deference and sort of uh uh I wouldn't say he shirked the spotlight. He was he was always comfortable in his own skin and always has been, it seems to me. And uh, I've appreciated that about him, and I'm happy that he's in Utah. I hope it goes well for him in Utah. Uh, but he's my favorite Grizzly basketball player. Mine is Stromile Swift. Okay. Love Stromile Swift. The second best guy with the last name Swift after Robert <laughs> that played in the Did NBA. Did you see Robert Swift has reemerged? Well, I mean. He's playing professional basketball. Where is he at? China. Okay. Pretty unmissable. Have you seen, have you read any of his stories or anything like that? Oh, I mean, I've read a lot of All the way to the bottom of the, of the oh, rock yeah. bottom. Yeah. He, it's hard for a 7-2 guy to go to rock bottom, but he found his way. Yeah, yikes. Uh, good for him coming back out. It is good for him. Yep. Uh, Stromel Swift was number two pick out of LSU. He was the last draft pick by the Vancouver Grizzlies before mm. they moved to Memphis. And then he was the last player from the Vancouver era to still be playing for the Grizzlies before he then signed with the Houston Rockets. I think that years from now, the NBA has distinct eras, probably more distinct eras than any other pro sport. Yeah, There's the pre-merger era when there's two competing leagues and neither one had much national traction, but many of the greatest players in the world were playing in the ABA at the time, not the NBA. Then there's the post-merger era and what people would call, you know, maybe the more the street ball entering the NBA a little bit more, you know, more guys that had some flair and improvisation, not so much of the stiff set set stuff that yeah. characterized the sixties and the seventies. And then, you know, I think quite frankly, I think people would say post merger to pre Michael Jordan, magic Johnson, Larry bird, they'd say is the cocaine era. Unfortunately, I mean, it was drug use just ripped through the league probably more than any other, the pro sports leagues. And, then there's the you know the glory days of the 80s and 90s with Magic Larry and Michael and everybody else that was involved in that. And then there's the post-Jordan sort of pre when they changed the rules and the international game influenced it. And that's going to be, I think, when we look back on this in 30, 40 years. I don't want to say the forgotten era, but the, the one that's a darker era in NBA history because you had the Kobe Shaq Lakers, but then you had this like the second half of the 2000s. It was just kind of random. No one could really gain much traction. The Spurs were always there, but there was just a lot of other really good players that were maybe failed experiments. It was kind of the end of the high school era when guys were coming straight out of high school. But then you also just had a whole bunch of guys that I think because it was this culmination of when hype really took off, combined with guys that were coming out way too early probably, you had a lot of guys that just really never harnessed the avenue of being a professional and I think Stromile Smith will probably be remembered as one of those guys. He probably won't be remembered at all, unfortunately, even though he was an unbelievable talent. He was fine in the NBA. I mean, he was a you know, 10 points per game scorer for 10 years, but he never developed anything. All he could do is just take a baseline dunk on it. He could do, a be- do that better than literally anybody in the league, but he never really learned how to shoot. He never really learned how to protect the rim. And I think it cost him what his upside is. But there's so many guys that were like that, that were just unbelievable athletes that just really couldn't, you know, hone in the element of being a professional. Right. I, I, I always loved watching him play because I thought he was so entertaining. You could see him do something that no one else could do in the league. He just never really honed the consistency of being a pro. Where are we going next? Let's go to New Orleans. At Blackfoot Communications, we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running. 
From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more. The New Orleans Hornets slash Pelicans, but probably Hornets. I'm afraid that I've taken yours, so I want to let you have the floor. You think I'm going Chris Paul? Well, yeah. I am going Chris Paul. Well, you should because it's – this is not a a franchise that has a ton of of history. We did Charlotte before, but obviously this is tied to Charlotte. They were Charlotte and moved, and then Charlotte reemerged, so it's a little hard to say, well, which franchise is which. So if you want to sit here and say that, you know, Alonzo Mourning and, and, you know – Larry Johnson are part of this organization, okay? But we, I, I kind of took that before. But Chris Paul, in terms of the uh, identifying as New Orleans, is far and away the guy uh, to pick from this organization, which again does not have a ton of history. I, you've loved Chris Paul since forever, so you go ahead. You tell us why Chris Paul is the greatest, and I will just agree with you. You know, I mean, I honestly just wish that Chris Paul would have never gone to Los Angeles. Because I know it was filled with so much potential, and they were so exciting for a moment, and they really brought the Clippers, I'm not even going to say back to relevancy, to relevancy for the first time. Yeah. But then because of the spotlight and because it was this moment in time when the Lakers were falling apart, they became the L.A. team, not in following as much as in scrutiny. And then given the personalities in that locker room, particularly just the volatility of Blake Griffin and just how much drama was associated, they always came up short. And them coming up short was... it. The, the, the failures were accentuated way more than the accomplishments. People quickly forgot that the Clippers had never been good. All of a sudden, it was like, well, this is a 50-win team for five years in a row. Why aren't they doing anything in the playoffs? And I think that Chris Paul was so frustrated by it, and he manifested that within what, to everybody within the organization. And I think it really hurt his reputation because, by all accounts, he's one of the great philanthropists, one of the great leaders, one of the most pleasant guys, one of the best teammates and for a moment in time there, people thought, well, he's kind of a malcontent. But it, the whole situation was just toxic. Then he tries to chase a ring with Houston, which they got close. It was never the right fit. And him playing next to James Harden as a basketball purist was a nightmare. I hated watching it. I hate watching James Harden, period. But to have Chris Paul have to just stand in the corner and be a decoy is just, it's ridiculous. I mean, what Chris Paul is best at is having the ball in his hands. He's one of the best in NBA history to have the ball in his hands. But I think that his the way that what happens if he would have gotten traded to the Lakers instead of the Clippers? What happens if David Stern doesn't block that trade? Yeah, Chris Paul's legacy is so impacted because when you look at his straight up numbers and his individual accomplishments and his skills, he's one of the greatest point guards ever. I mean, he has better career numbers than Isaiah Thomas. But will his legacy be remembered as better than Isaiah? Because Isaiah has two rings. Isaiah was the best player on multiple championship teams. I don't know if Chris Paul's ever going to get there. But I do like that he's revitalizing his career with this young Oklahoma City team because this, it reminds me of how good Chris Paul can be even if he doesn't have this unbelievable supporting cast. I thought he was at his best in New Orleans, just like I think he's actually better right now than he was during these years playing with these other superstars. Chris Paul is my favorite New Orleans Orleans Hornet. Uh, But I do have a backup just because I knew you were going to say Chris Paul. His name's Zion Williamson. And he's played 33 seconds in the NBA. And he is going to be very shortly my favorite Hornet of all time. And 
now Pelican. And beyond that, he's going to be one of my favorite players very, very soon in the league in total, in my estimation. Watching him, what he did in his first ever game in the NBA, completely electric. I mean, he won me over. He won me over before anyways while he was at Duke. Just love watching him play, love the way that he goes about it, the energy that he plays with, with unmatched size and athleticism. But if he can stay healthy, I know it's a big if, but... He is, uh, he is, he is a must-watch guy. He brings eyeballs to the game, to a market that doesn't get very many of them, and he is worth the price of admission. My brother and I were talking the other night about, you know, the Long Gone Summer, which we recorded a long segment mm-hmm. with Robert Chase. That's our ESPN roundtable this week. We'll play that for you guys tomorrow. But how one of the most depressing parts about getting older is one of the greatest parts about sports is the magic of sports, the romanticization of sports, the the heroes and you know just larger-than-life characters that you just can't get enough of. But as time progresses, you realize that all good things come to an end. And oftentimes in sports, they come to an end in such a disappointing and lackluster fashion. Sometimes it's amazing. That's why Michael Jordan's legend is so unbelievable, because he did hit the the game-winning shot in his last game right. in the NBA Finals to John win the championship. LA did walk off he, with he, the he did. Lombardi, yeah. But then oftentimes, like Lance Armstrong, I mean, the peak and the valley is just so profound, and it's yeah. just so hard to stomach. I mean, I can't tell you how much I love Barry Bonds. And, like, how can you like him now? How could you possibly like him now? Right. And that, I just, I'm, I love Zion Williamson. I love him. I'm trying to slow play my enthusiasm for him so much because I'm so jaded. When I look at him, I just see this wrecking ball that's just a, a shooting star, and I can't imagine how it's not going to flame out. But if it doesn't, what a special talent. I, I agree, but here, here's what I'll say. If he never plays another game, which, of course, he's going to play many more games, but but even if, it, even if it was all over, right, the first game he ever plays, he, he goes four for four from the three-point line, and a team that's down 17 when he walks off the floor is down like two or whatever it is, and he went bottoms. Now he show he he can't shoot threes yet. That's one of, if not his biggest weakness offensively. Is he, he's not a shooter at all. But in this one moment, in this one game, it was enrapturing to watch him walk out there, this nineteen-year-old kid, and just have his way and hammer home everything. And it was one of those moments that no matter what happens that will that that first game will all it's done it's already done and it was already uh, uh completely magical and so i'm 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 all in i'm all in with zion williamson it's two tell new one is 1029 espn radio picking our favorite players by nba franchise we've done in the southwest division the memphis grizzlies and phoenix suns where do you, or excuse me, New Orleans uh, Hornets? We got the Phoenix Suns, Dallas Mavericks, and Houston Rockets. For yeah, one other guy from the Hornets or that was a New Orleans staple that was so good was David West. He doesn't get enough credit. Mm. David West was really good. Very good. Him and Chris Paul, what a good combination. Uh, let's go Phoenix. My favorite Phoenix Sun of all time? I mean, it's got to be. Chuck. Of course. It's Charles Barkley. No and, doubt. And I've been trying to figure out. Charles is hard because it's like, well, is he a 76er? Is he, a, is he you know, a Phoenix Sun? Is he a Houston Rocket? You know, how, how do you put But I'm picking him here, first of all, because there's less to pick from for Phoenix. Actually, there's a number. I mean, there's some obviously very, very good players uh, that have played for Phoenix over the years. He's probably not even the best player in franchise history if you're talking about their time with the franchise. Uh, but, Who do you think is? Steve Nash? S- Steve Nash for sure because he's... 
there how long? 12 years or something like that? Maybe yeah. not that long. Eight. I mean, he, but Charles was only there four years. But he was right. there. He was there his MVP season, and he was an All Star all four years. And they had that unbelievable run going against you know Michael Jordan in, in you know in the NBA Finals and all that, and couldn't get there. And so his his time in Phoenix was as big as it gets. And also, Charles is one of the few people who is who is loved and beloved for for who he is in his you know in his candor in his humor in some of his self depreciation but also in his flaws like charles is a flawed person as we all are but his he he has never really hidden from that in fact he's That's why he's so sort of been forward with that but but often people's flaws are the things that are the detractant from him and for him it, it seems like it's a net positive in in general like people people just kind of go oh man that's charles we all got a little we all got something going on don't we and 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 so i i think he's great i i have grown it, my my like of of charles barkley has only grown over time and certainly i will uh I recognize that that maybe it's as much about being a broadcaster as it is about being a Phoenix Sun, but he's my favorite son. Most passionate and, and fanatic sports fans like us inherit that love from from their father or from their parents. And my dad, although he was really into participating in sports, he grew up incredibly rurally in northern Arizona. No TV, no real exposure to any sort of pro sports. But the only athlete my dad ever told me stories about growing up, he had stories from like the 80s when my parents were married already. And then they, you know, he was in his 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. And he's working in Colorado in the mines. He had plenty of stories about, you know, old Denver Broncos guys and, and all that. But the only guy from like his childhood teenage years he ever told me about was Connie Hawkins. Connie Hawkins was uh, the, the Suns' great best player when they merged from the ABA into the NBA. But he's always talking about Connie Hawkins and his hands and the finger roll. And so uh, he met Connie Hawkins one time. That was the only guy he ever met because they used to go to Phoenix like once a year and they'd check out a Suns game. Okay. And so that was, I mean, that's the only story literally I have uh, from my dad of a uh, uh, ex-pro athlete. But uh, So is Connie Hawkins your so, favorite Yeah, I got to go, okay. go Connie Hawkins. Okay, man. beautiful. Love it, man. Uh, all right. We, uh, we go to Texas now. Let's start with the Houston Rockets. I, I've never been a Rockets fan. Pause on that because okay. Okay, okay, one point I think that's worth emphasizing is that the Suns were a good to great franchise until Robert Sarver bought them. And Robert Sarver, they were still competitive because they still had, uh, who's the guy that was the head of international basketball? His name's Jerry something. Jerry Colangelo. Jerry Colangelo yeah. is still involved in the organization. Steve Kerr was still involved in the organization. So they were competitive during the 2000s. Then when those guys jumped ship because they couldn't stand working for Robert Sarver anymore, Robert Sarver has become the new Donald Sterling. I don't mean in his his, uh, horrific off-the-court conduct. I'm only talking to the fact that he's running an an NBA franchise as a minimal margins for-profit entity that is not investing in winning at all. Yeah, And I think it's terrible because the Suns used to have a great home court advantage. and they I mean, they were really competitive for... Decades. I mean, the Suns were always pretty good, and they've been terrible. They've been irrelevant the last seven years, and it makes me so mad to so then parlay it to Houston. And I think this is so interesting. When Houston, you know, the Houston of the 80s and 90s, you know, with Rudy Tomjanovich as the coach, yeah. 
I loved those Houston teams. Sure. Since they hired Dork Elvis, Daryl Morey, I know he gets all sorts of credit because he's innovative and he's got all these analytics and blah, 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 blah. They've changed the game because of all the threes they shoot. It's trash. I hate it. I hate watching it. And I it's, it drives me crazy because they that's a that's an example of how the front office can completely transform the identity of a franchise. And I I mean, would you agree the team the Rockets teams of the nineties were so much more appealing and fun than the ones of, of today? Well, yes, that them and that almost every other team uh today. So you're on my same fun. page. Yes, <laughs> with then Houston. I mean, there's there is something there is there is some level of enjoyment to putting up all the shots that you can possibly get. And by the way, Mike D'Antoni is is a part of this whole thing as well. Like he came in to coach this team to run this style that right. is that is also his. I would love to know where that pivot happened though, because when the the on the main on ball floor general was Steve Nash, mm-hmm. D'Antoni's seven seconds or less was one of the most appealing styles in the NBA to watch. Now that he has these two ball stoppers, it's horrific and I don't know what changed in his philosophies. Well it's probably just personnel based, right? I, it has to be. I mean, it's you, the beard. It's, it's too good not to give him the ball, but not good enough to do whatever needs to be done to get you all the way there. I mean, that's just that's that's what it is. Uh, my favorite Houston Rocket. I did I did vacillate on this. I wanted to say Akeem Olajuwon. I believe that's what you're gonna say. Yeah, you know me well. Uh, but uh, it's gonna be Tracy McGrady. Wow. Reason it's Tracy McGrady. He played for the Rockets from 2004 to 2010. He's another guy that people will forget how good he was at his best. Oh man, he oh, he, buddy. he he ran into he ran into injury issues and did not have the length of the career that he that he well could have had. But when he was the Tracy McGrady that that was the best version of himself, he was as good as it got in the league. And I mean, didn't he win three straight scoring championships? The one, I mean, the little time he stayed healthy. Yeah, whether if it was three, I, I'm not sure. But I watched Tracy McGrady play for Houston in Seattle, and he put up 40 on the Sonics, and it was the easiest 40 I ever saw in my life. Uh, and he, so, so he, he's one of those guys where he was very impressive. And then when I watched him play, it was, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even a conversation who the best player have you ever in the seen, building was. Have you ever seen Durant live? No. That's, I mean, he defines what you just said. Yeah, you, you just you look up at the scoreboard, you're like, he's got 29 at halftime. Yeah, what? Yeah, he's not even so, trying. I uh, anyway, I go, I go with Tracy McGrady mostly because I saw him live. But all, I mean, I like Tracy McGrady, but he was an unbelievable player. My second one, just for fun, is Robert Ory because Ooh. Big Shot Bob's just banging at home for titles left and right. Not the first two of seven that he won in his career with Houston, uh, and then move it on. But yeah, there you go. There's my Rockets. I mean, Akeem Olajuwon's one of my favorite players of all time. I love Akeem. How can I mean? How can you not? He's the greatest. Uh, do you want to do Dallas? Or do we need to get out? Let's let's do Dallas. Okay, Dallas Mavericks. Quickly, I'm not going to bury this lead. Dirk Nowitzki is my favorite Dallas Maverick of all time. Luka Doncic could be if he yes. keeps doing it because I be. just I'm obsessed with him. I think that his spatial awareness, his ability to navigate the court is just it's top notch, next level. But Dirk was actually a guy I didn't love initially, and as his career progressed, I did, I fell more in love with him every single year. Yep. 22.6 points, 8.2 rebounds for his career. One, obviously the 2011 finals, which was such a – to beat LeBron James in uh-huh. an NBA finals 
uh, and for for that to be the one shot that he was going to have to 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 uh, make that crowning achievement and then to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a very good Mavericks team all the way around. I mean, that was that was a really well constructed team and a really fun team to watch. But he was he was the man in that thing. And it it's so interesting, man. After they he after they won, he walked off the floor. He he walked. He, there, there was nothing. He like it was the the level of relief and sort of somewhat of amazement of like, oh no, we really did this because they had blown else. it against the Heat a few years earlier. Yep. Yep. So. He's great. I love him on and off the floor. He's funny. He's hilarious. You know, and he's just got a great personality. And also, who have we ever seen like this? Never, never. And that's the other thing. He he has a, he has a distinctly unique legacy in the history of the NBA, not only for how unorthodox his game was, the innovations that he made as a international player, but also, we talk about this on the show all the time, very few NBA teams have ever actually even been in the mix for a, a championship. And a distinct few guys have dominated the league per their era. Yep. And when you go look through the lineage of MVPs from post-1980 on, and you go look through the list of champions, you're going to see a handful of names. You're going to see Lakers and Magic, Celtics and Bird, Jordan and the Bulls, Duncan and the Spurs. The one disruptor, the the one disruptor of the last 40 years is Dirk Nowitzki, the dude who broke through during the LeBron era. You know, you're gonna look at all these guys that mm-hmm. that aren't Dirk. He's the one guy that did it. He, he's he's probably gonna end up with more rings than guys like James Harden and Russell Westbrook, even though they were more probably quote unquote spectacular or pop culture right, phenomenon. Never win one, right? Yeah. And and the fact that Dirk got to two and won one and had that MVP in the midst of LeBron's prime, it's the great anomaly. But also, he deserves it. He is the outlier. He does. It's Tutel Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Stick around. Aaron Grusonic, sports psychologist at Montana State, going to join us and maybe even help us out a little bit. Let's learn something together, shall we? We'll do that right after this. Hey, Kurtz Polaris is at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy. The weather is warming up. It's time to get your dirt biking, off-roading, and on-licking activities to a maximum with Kurtz Polaris. Beta and Husqvarna dirt bikes, tops in the industry, brand new for the season there at Kurtz. Also, all the side-by-sides, the General, the Ranger, the Razor, they're all there. Get the work done or just the fun you want to have cruising around in the mountains and the hills of Montana from Kurtz Polaris. And, of course, if you want to just get a couple, catch a couple rays, maybe open a cold one, sitting out there on the lake, Crest Pontoon Boat. I mean, getting a pontoon boat, that's the way to go. Crest, top-of-the-line pontoon boats available at Kurtz Polaris. Summer, the way you always envisioned with Kurtz Online at KurtzPolaris.com. Coulter, during this time where we got to be a little bit socially distanced, it's nice to know we can get out on the links and play a little bit of golf. And nobody better than Western Birch to get your round started right. That's right. Golf's been definitely one of my favorite pastimes during quarantine times. And just recently landed my new Western Birch customized golf tees. Go check out Western Birch golf tees at westernbirch.com. These classy golf tees are made of 100% white birch hardwood and printed with high quality color right here in the United States. A company founded right here in Montana. These durable wood golf tees, perfect way for you to market your business. Just think, anytime you break a tee, your brand is sitting on the tee box forever. You can hand them out to your clients, your buddies, your golf partners, whoever. Great way to earn top-of-mind awareness while also playing a sport we all love. 
Again, you can check out all the cool designs online at westernbirch.com. Add your logo on a thousand of any of their tees for $150 delivered to your door. Give them to clients, friends, watch them get impressed by the quality of the look of a simple golf tee and by your creativity. Give Western Birch the opportunity to show you what they're talking about. Email and ask for Chad at info at westernbirch.com, info at westernbirch.com, or follow on Instagram and Facebook, westernbirch.com. People always tell you, figure it out. But no one helps you figure it out. <laughs> That's why we have our next guest. It's Two Tell and One is one of two nine ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television at Gus Two Tell on on uh, Twitter at Skyline Sports MT on Twitter and at one zero two nine ESPN on Twitter as well. Uh, let's see if we can try and figure it out together with the help of a professional. We go to the Range Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in. Sports psychologist at Montana State University, Aaron Grusonic. Aaron, thank you so much for being with us. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Well, we're very, we're certainly happy to have you here, and this is, I'm very happy to have you for a lot of different reasons. But one of them is this: Let's talk about just your profession a little bit. How did you get into psychology and then sports psychology? Because this seems to be something that is really widely accepted now as important if not flat out necessary for a lot of athletes but it wasn't that long ago that it seemed relatively taboo so how has this industry grown recently because it seems like it's gotten much bigger and much more in uh, ingrained into the sports landscape yeah so i actually um uh, was an undergraduate at st mary's college in psychology and what interested me in uh the profession was that I wanted to help people. I was also a student athlete myself, and um, I wanted to combine those two things. I knew I couldn't be an athlete um, uh, forever, so um, I thought if I could still work with, with athletes and, and try to help people, um, that would be my dream come true. Um, so I uh, entered the field hoping to do sports psych. Um, it's a very um, uh, difficult uh, profession to get, get your foot in the door, and so... I went on for about uh, probably close to 12 years doing other things in the field of psychology until this door opened and I couldn't be happier. Aaron, hey, Coulter Nuanas, thanks so much for joining us. And one of my favorite parts about doing what we do, whether it's my role as a writer or, or analyzing sports, is the psychological element of it. I've always considered, you know, they say sports mirror life, and I think that sports mirror human psychology as well. What's your take on that element of things? It seems to me that the psychology of a, a human and the psychology of an athlete is perhaps the actual most important thing. You know, I think life's about the challenges and rising to the challenge, no matter uh, what you're face-to-face with. And certainly in sports, uh, we amplify that. Um, the challenges are right in your face and everybody's watching. And um, we don't have the luxury in sports to, uh, to try to figure things out sometimes uh, on our own or, or to consult with people. And so uh, our athletes, especially uh, the athletes I deal with, are, are really trying to, to hone their skills uh, mentally and emotionally so that they have the confidence uh, when they go to compete to deal uh, with, uh, I don't 
call them problems, but challenges as they as they arise. And, and I, I think you're right. Uh, sports and life are very similar, and um, uh, when something comes our way, we have to deal with it, whether we like it or not. Sometimes, and I think that that what makes it more difficult sometimes with sports is it's in such a public arena. Aaron Grusonic joining us. He's a sports psychologist at Montana State. And Aaron, what are some of the things that that you go through? I mean, I understand you know you're trying to help kids deal with with pressure or or, or challenges that, that arise. But specifically, when you're talking with athletes there at Montana State, what are the things that they need help with or that you want to focus on the most in terms of uh, that, that will help them attain their maximal performance? Yeah, so um, just like any other uh, person, an athlete deals with the same things that uh, that uh, regular people deal with, and that can be mental health issues or struggles or just emergencies in their lives. But aside from that, uh, when it comes uh, strictly to sports and sports performance, I think uh, the, the most common theme that uh, I try to help uh, the athletes deal with is to um, try to focus on the present. Um, we can't uh, we can't play against what we did before. We, even if it was the most spectacular play, we can't go and compete against that. We can't uh, go and compete against something that we're thinking about in terms of the future. What we can only do is, is uh, deal with uh, the present moment. And I think what, uh, what I have as a common theme is trying to help the athletes stay present-minded, uh, not future or uh, past-minded. And that really empowers them to deal with circumstances as they come up, to be adaptable, uh, to take that breath, and to um, uh, just make the best of any situation that comes their way. Now, Aaron, tell me this. Did you watch The Last Dance over these last several weeks and months? No, I did not. It's just an interesting psychological study, a a documentary on the last season of the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan, if you're not familiar. Michael Jordan is one of the most interesting psychological studies because mm-hmm. he never lets go of anything. He uses everything as internal motivation. And you know, if you ever said anything to him that crossed him the wrong way, or even if you didn't, he would manifest things in his mind to want to beat you. But also, I thought the best line of the entire documentary was uh, someone saying that Jordan, for all of his athletic gifts, his talent, his work ethic, his com- competitive drive, the number one thing that set him apart from every other person in the NBA and otherwise was his constant ability to be present at all times. And you talk about this with your athletes, and I agree with you. You know, it is such a focused thing to not want to compete against the past, compete against your best play. But how do you go about doing that, especially when it comes to young people? I mean, how do you go about training uh, 18 to 23-year-olds' mind to be able to embrace being present? Yeah, and, you know, I've read a little bit on what uh, the Chicago Bulls had done, and they they actually had a – a guy come in and, and do what we call mindfulness, uh, which can be meditation or other different types of exercises. And, and that's really what um, I'm doing a lot of with, with our athletes. We, we uh, try to teach them what we call mindfulness, and that's kind of like a fancy catchword these days in the psychology community. But really what that means is um, checking in with yourself as you're going through your life. So checking in with yourself, um, that can be like, uh, how do my shoes fit on my feet? And just, just taking that pause as you're moving forward allows you to be <clears throat> focused in on the present. And so what I do a lot with our athletes <clears throat> is try to help, help them discover things that they can do while they're training, uh, while they're going throughout their daily life, 
Um, we do uh, more formal meditation and things like that. But ways of helping them stay present-minded um, just through their normal day. That way, um, when they come down to <clears throat> crunch time and, and they're competing, that they can uh, try to implement some of those strategies. And I really like the word that you use, train them, because um, mental training is just like training for anything else. Uh, your mind is like a muscle, and if you don't practice, uh, then you don't develop uh, the, that muscle memory. The same thing with, with your mind. If you, if you aren't practicing and being diligent, then those skills just don't work. And so um, that's really what we go about is continuing to um, uh, practice these skills on a regular uh, multiple times a day basis so that the students can, um, with just a simple uh, three-second cue that they can do for themselves, can kind of get themselves centered. Well, that training process is, is relatively new in its implementation of the sports world. So yeah. um, we've seen people with great mental aptitude rise to the top of their sports for a long time without being able, without having the resources, I guess, to train that element of it. So how much of it is nature? How much of it is nurture? I mean, do some people have to practice uh, the honing of that more than others? And, and are some people more gifted when it comes to uh, just the focus and mindfulness that you talk about? Yeah, I think uh, certain people, but uh, and I don't know if it's nature or nurture, but certainly the environment that they've been brought up in uh, contributes. And I think just um, temperament in general, um, which is probably something you're born with. Um, but de depending on the, de the different factors, some people are um, more apt or able to pick up on some of these skills uh, quicker than others. Um, and and some just, it, it takes a little more work and creativity. Um, I do custom uh, uh, image, guided imagery and meditations for the student-athletes who want that, and just the process of setting those things up with them um, so that it's a scenario that they're comfortable with or I'm saying things that kind of drive with what they like. Uh, that seems to help some people who may be a little bit um, less comfortable uh, with doing kind of the mindfulness activities. And, you know, truthfully, uh, sitting down and focusing on your breathing is something we don't do very often. And, and so uh, in our daily lives, and it's, it's just an awkward habit. And so just helping that become normal for, for all of the students is something that, that is uh, kind of our first step as we kind of undergo the process. Aaron Grusonic joining us. He's a sports psychologist at Montana State. Aaron, last question for you. I uh, I would like to think that I myself, as I go through my life, am not uh, living in a whole lot of fear. But as soon as I step onto the tee box, it's sheer terror. What is my problem? Help me out here a little bit, will you? Because I got I got problems, man. I step up there and I start shaking and I start seeing all the bad things. And then guess what? It manifests itself. That's right. Yeah, the, the no, that's wrong, Aaron. That's very wrong. <laughs> it's 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 wrong, but but that's what happens typically, right? Uh, we we have we we want to do something so badly that it takes a life of its own, and uh, uh, whether it's golf or uh, or or something else, kicking the football, um, uh, every little uh, flinch, every little movement that we make uh, can make a huge difference, and. Pretty soon we're thinking of all of those things at once and, and we're defeating ourselves. And, and really what that boils down to is you want to hit the perfect shot. And, uh, and there's, there's, you know, that's a simplified version, but you, you really want to hit a perfect shot. 
and and you should. Um, but it takes a life of its own because uh, because you care about it so much. And so uh, one of the things that I would say is uh, to to you or or an athlete um, that I was working with is, okay, how much do you really need to care about this? So we try to get that into perspective. And then we try to uh, uh, build some confidence about what they already know. They're already gifted. They're already talented. They're already well-trained. So what are the other things that are getting in the way? And then we start to try to uh, whittle it down to a few simple things that they can do so that they have that confidence and their mind is clear when they, you know, go to perform. The check's in the mail, Aaron. Thank you very much. <laughs> this was very helpful. Hey, man, no, this is this is so interesting. And, it, it, again, it's it's been such a growing part of the field of athletics collegiately, professionally, et cetera. And so uh, we appreciate you taking the time and kind of walking us through some of the, the basics of this, really. It's a, a very interesting deal, so thank you. Thank you very much. You got it. Aaron Grusonic, Montana State University sports psychologist, trying to help me out right why do i care why do i care at all it's like i told you man i played golf at uh at a friend's canyon river the other week with yeah. just got paired with a uh, guy and was one of my favorite pastimes when the person ends up being interesting yep and this guy he you know not to tell too much of his personal story but he was he's a guy that uh, had a phd in liberal arts and he's just a well-read guy very esoteric thinker and you know i was I was working on my swing, working on some fundamentals, whatever. And he, he's like, man, you're making it too complicated, man. He's like, you got to think about <laughs> golfing concepts, man. It's just the this golfing like, nihilist. I mean, yeah, this is a guy that's like wearing flip-flops, taking no practice swings, and shooting 37 from the tips on nine, you know, just like easy, easy swinging, easy everything. But he's like, man, you should just get up there and hit the ball, man. So like, don't think about the last shot or the next shot, man. Just go hit the just ball. Hit the Have ball. fun. It's true, though. It is so very true. I mean, how often have you hit a bad shot that, may, that, that ruined, literally ruined the next 90 minutes of your life? Every uh, round. <laughs> yes. It's, 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 uh, I'm a glutton for punishment. It's Two Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Boys and girls, despite what we've said here, we know that golf is fun. And we also know that Father's Day is Sunday. And so if you would like to make your golfing father, husband, whatever it might be, maybe a son who's a father, very happy. How about cdaresort.com? You go online right now, book your stay-and-play package at the Coeur d'Alene Golf Resort, a great Father's Day gift, or maybe just a reason to get away. If you go stay in the hotel, you take a twin-screw wooden standcraft boat to and from the golf course. It's, first of all, a great way to get a little tour of the Lake Coeur d'Alene, which is beautiful. And also, it's just a nice way to arrive. You know, roll up in a boat, you feel very good about things. You get a pre-round massage, hitting golf balls into the lake. The lake is the driving range. Caddy walking you around the course, helping you out with all this stuff. It is It is quite an experience and everybody every golfer should be a bucket list for them one of the gems of the intermountain west the Coeur d'Alene golf resort online cdaresort.com book your stay and play right now cdaresort.com at blackfoot communications we're experts at keeping your business technology up and running 
From networks and security to communications and 24-7 support, we evaluate your current state infrastructure and deploy the right technology solution for your future. Whether your company is just starting out or is looking to take the next step, Blackfoot is here to help. Call 866-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash business to learn more. Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Check out the YouTube channel if you're so inclined. To Tell Nuanas on the YouTube and watch it. And it's uh, it's archived too, so you can watch it later if you would like to. Uh, Coulter, to finish up the hour, uh, a significant date for what reason? June the 16th. Today would have been Tupac Shakur's 49th birthday. 49 today for Tupac, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, I would have, I would have guessed even maybe a little older than that. So 49, yeah. Died when he was 26, 1996. Very young, 96. Okay, I, uh, I must say I don't know a lot of Tupac. Really? I mean, I man, I realize that this has just ended our friendship. Oh, no, I just think that. I think that uh, I think that the pioneers of hip hop and rap really did change a lot of different elements of America, but I think that Tupac Shakur is in a category all his own. I think that his it, it, I I know that he he was so prolific that a lot of his songs are uh, very brash, sometimes offensive, but also he he painted the picture of of the streets better than anybody ever has and i don't know if anybody ever will he's a true poet and i think that his impact on society in terms of shining a light on things that people would never really seek out to learn about uh, it was second to none well said uh a, a reflective birthday of june the 16th for tupac shakur it is Tutel and Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Our number one is in the books. If you missed anything in this hour, check it out on the podcast. The Tutel and Nuanas podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Just rate, review, subscribe. You can listen to us anytime you would like to. It's very handy. It's split up. It's even measured out for you. We give you some time signatures so you can go see what you're looking for. Check out the podcast. It's available thanks to Blackfoot, good friends at Blackfoot, and Alpine Touch, hour one down, hour two straight ahead. Eastern Washington, significant financial difficulties in athletics. We'll get to that. And also, will baseball actually come back? Talk about that next.
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 